Hey, listeners of the Bio Report, I want to tell you about a new member benefit from the California Technology Council. CTC has teamed with Reprovada to offer members six months of Reprovada's COT Network service for free, which gives companies the power of a VPN at a fraction of the cost. A remote, flexible workforce is the new normal, but most corporate networks aren't built to accommodate work from home at scale. Reprovada's COT Network offers an easily deployable, affordable, and scalable solution to securely enable remote workers and protect the corporate network. To learn more about this and other member benefits, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. U.S. Food and Drug Administration delivered a blow to Farnex in 2019 when it told the company it should conduct an additional late-stage study of its experimental therapy for the rare neurological condition Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease, a manufacturing problem that affected the dose delivered to some patients invalidated one of the arms of its study. The company uses artificial intelligence and network pharmacology to identify molecules that may be involved in modulating a disease and searches for synergistic combinations of both existing and novel therapies to treat conditions. Since its clinical setback, the company named David Horn Solomon as its new CEO, sharpened its focus, and moved forward with an additional study. We spoke to Solomon about the company's approach to therapeutic development, its focus on neurological conditions, and the case for using combination therapies as the best way to tackle the diseases it targets. David, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. We're going to talk about Farnext, its unique approach to drug discovery, and its efforts to develop a therapy for the rare degenerative nerve condition, Charcot-Marie-Tooth syndrome. Let's start with the company's platform technology, though, and its efforts to discover what it terms as pleotherapies. What's meant by the term pleotherapy? Well, pleotherapy um, comes from the idea of, of pleotropic, meaning that, um, that there are often multiple pathways um, for any drug um, uh, to follow. And in fact, that most uh, drugs don't act on a single target but rather act on multiple targets. So for example, we all know that, you know, aspirin can treat a headache, but it also can, um, you know, prevent uh, clotting by inhibiting platelets from forming uh, uh, clusters that ultimately aid in clotting. So um, many, many approved medicines have multiple pathways. And the concept here for us is that diseases are not often just single genetic hits, that, that, that does exist, but often, um, diseases are the result of an imbalance between multiple pathways. And insofar as multiple drugs acting on multiple pathways can correct that, that's been the goal of Farnext in our work. We call it also polypharmacology. This is a, a data-intense 
platform. It, it uses AI. How exactly does it work, and, and what's the range of data that it draws upon? Well, it, it starts with essential genetic data, or GWAS data. Um, and what we aim to do is look at a specific disease and look at the genetic um, lesions, if you will, within that disease, and then all the pathways that are affected um, when there's a, a genetic lesion, like in Charcot-Marie Tooth. And then by looking at all those pathways, we can figure out which drugs um, or which um, molecules might interact with those pathways and start to put them together in combinations, insofar as the combinations provide um, novel and non-obvious and exciting results that are true synergies. Synergies meaning that the result is greater than the sum of, uh, of each response. And we do that with a lot of data. It's a lot of data inputs and a lot of AI inputs and a lot of experience in pharmacology by our experts uh, working at Farnext on our teams. And so with the multitude of approaches, knowing that the output are combination medicines as opposed to single medicines, we've been able to achieve, I think, some, some uh, remarkable results. The company is focused on using this platform as a way of repurposing combinations of existing therapies. What's the case for doing this from a, a time, cost, speed point of view? We, we in the past, have um, combined existing medicines, although I would say going forward in the future, we'll probably um, use uh, novel molecules or, or new chemical entities so-called NCEs as the combinations of new medicines. It does afford, um, when you're using existing medicines, a much more efficient process, however, simply because these medicines are already safe and well-tolerated. And so you can put them into clinical trials right away in advanced trials and get towards uh, the FDA and an approval, usually much faster than starting with a lot of the toxicology work that you have to do um, with new, new molecules. So it has been for us an efficient process. It generally should be an efficient process, but most importantly, it, it should bring new medicines to patients and caregivers that they haven't seen before. You're focused on neurological conditions. This is an area where there's been great frustration. Uh, diseases have been somewhat intractable. I, I think of what's happened in the area of cancer in terms of the use of combination therapies. Is that part of the rationale here that combination therapies are what's going to be needed to address diseases like Alzheimer's and ALS? Mm, right. In, in, in diseases like Alzheimer's, for example, you know, there, there may be one or two or three you know, causative factors, but ultimately it causes a significant imbalance in the brain. And rather than addressing the first domino, which is still a huge debate in many companies and, and among many scientists, we often think maybe by making combination medicines, you can address a lot of the more downstream um, activities that, um, that have resulted in the imbalance and that could be readjusted so, so as we can make a better new equilibrium and with that new equilibrium, hopefully um, modify disease as we've done. Well, let's talk about PXT3003, your experimental therapy for the condition Charcot-Marie-Tooth. For listeners not familiar with the condition, what is it? Well, Charcot-Marie-Tooth is, um, is a genetic disorder in most instances, um, and it is what's called uh, a peripheral neuropathy. Uh, meaning it is a disorder of the peripheral nerves, and it's a disorder of the peripheral nerves that starts because of a duplication 
of a single gene called PMP22. When this gene is duplicated, the, um, the nerve has uh, an insulation around it called the myelin sheath. And the myelin sheath is disrupted. It's no longer as mature or integral as it should be. I think the, the good analogy would be, imagine an electric um, cord that starts at the socket and ultimately delivers power to a light bulb. When the um, electric uh, uh, cord has the right insulation, the light bulb is bright and uh, works as we expect. But when the insulation is, is broken or has tears in it, you might experience flicker in the lights, and that's exactly what happens in these patients. They experience flicker in the signal that goes from their brain to, say, their muscles. And, and, and in, when that happens, they experience fatigue, muscle atrophy or muscle wasting, sensory problems, and generally, ultimately, have um, weakness and problems with their muscles and their sensation that results in a debilitating disease that, in the end, can result in being in a wheelchair. Many of these patients are, are diagnosed around age 14, and a good 50, 60% by age 30, 40 are in a wheelchair. And with no existing therapies, um, our goal has really been to stabilize these patients and help them insofar as um, we can better their neurologic status so they don't have uh, a more difficult quality of life or, or, or difficult um, ends, so to speak. Well, what is PXT3003 and, and how does it work? Well, so PXT3003 is made up of three constituent molecules. One is called naltrexone that interferes with the, um, with the opiate uh, signaling system. One is called baclofen that uh, interferes with the GABAergic um, neurotransmitter pathway. And the third is sorbitol that interferes with the muscarinic uh, neurotransmitter pathways. And so by perturbing three different pathways in the brain and in the peripheral nerves uh, per se, we believe we're able to uh, ameliorate some of these problems that happen with the insulation or myelin sheath and that we already have evidence now that the myelin sheath when patients take these this combination medicine has more integrity better signaling to the muscle and ultimately results in symptomatic relief for patients what's a phase three study of the drug ran into a, a manufacturing problem with the drug used in the high dose portion of the study there were crystal formations in the bottom of the drug containers, and there were concerns that patients may not have gotten full doses. What were the consequences of that? Well, that's correct, and a, a completely unfortunate um, series of events with crystal formation, as you say, um, in the highest dose. Um, it didn't affect, by the way, the, the lower dose. And so um, the consequences were, unfortunately, with those patients withdrawn from the study, that the study was uninterpretable according to the FDA, and therefore um, the company couldn't proceed with its NDA or new drug application for approval of, of, uh, of 3003 in the treatment of Charcot-Marie Tooth. So what we did, and, and notably as I've joined the company more recently, is um, looked at the problem and looked at solutions. And because the low dose is actually just half the dose of the high dose, or put the other way, the high dose is twice the dose of the low dose. What we decided to do is actually just give the low dose, but in twice the volume. Patients were getting five milliliters of the low dose. Now we're giving them 10 milliliters. And we've gone to the FDA and asked for FDA's guidance. And FDA has given us a rather strong blessing that says, in fact, that um, we can do a, a new clinical study with the same endpoint, ONLS, uh, with just now the high dose against placebo 
and the high dose will be essentially, the, as I mentioned, the low dose in twice the volume. And so we're poised to begin that study within the first quarter of, um, of 2021, and we're in high preparation mode. And in fact, we've just retained a new chief medical officer and head of R&D, Adrian Hepner, uh, who joined last Monday, and he's leading the charge on this clinical trial and, and these manufacturing uh, issues. The interruption allowed you to see how patients on the medicine did when they went off the drug. What did that tell you? Well, you know, sometimes luck favors the prepared. And in fact, we were doing a study where the dose was interrupted and we found an astounding result, if I must say. Um, patients who were on the high dose of the medicine and then were interrupted, on the high dose, they actually did better um, by measuring their functional uh, output by ONLS uh, uh, neurologically. They did better on the high dose. And then when you took them off the dose, you interrupted their dose, the interesting fact is they actually stabilized. They stayed at a, at a similarly high level for some months. Then we put them back on the high dose again, and they continued to improve. Patients on the low dose, when you interrupted them, started declining along the same trajectory, unfortunately, as the decline of patients that have this disease. When you put them back on the low dose, they continued to improve, but albeit with a mild improvement. And patients who were on placebo, when you interrupted them and put them back on medicine, they tended to improve because they were earlier on no medicine, but um, only to a mild degree. So the, the really provocative or interesting result, Danny, if I must say, is that uh, patients on the high dose, when they were withdrawn, actually just were stabilized. So something durable must have happened in their neurons, uh, in their myelin sheath, uh, that allowed them to stabilize and actually have um, a rather good level of improvement neurologically. And that, that to us was gratifying. And in fact, for me personally, it was the signal that said that I, I, I feel comfortable joining this company because there is a real therapeutic effect of the medicine, even when you interrupt the dose. You're also developing a second experimental therapy, PXT864, both as a treatment for Alzheimer's and ALS. What is PXT864? So that is also a combination medicine, and it's a combination of a medicine called acamprosate and, and a medicine called baclofen. Um, and it's, it tends to work effectively in patients studied uh, in an early phase two study in, uh, in Alzheimer's disease. But I would say that we are not actively advancing that as much, obviously, as 3003, because the combination of medicines in 864 can be compounded. You could go to a pharmacy and buy each component and compound it into a single dose. Uh, and therefore, the patent protection and the exclusivity is not so clear. And so we've taken the approach uh, under new management at, at Farnext that while it's an important and interesting project from the point of view of data, that it needs um, further work in terms of the combination of medicines and the approach so that we have full or clear um, patent protection going forward that will um, benefit stakeholders and our shareholders as well. Uh, business considerations aside, I, I think of these as two very different conditions, one that impacts the cognitive ability of patients, and the other that has an impact on muscle and physical function, even though they're both neurologic. Does the drug have the same mechanism of action in both conditions? No, I would say completely different. Um, and, you know, that's the whole point is many common pathways. You, you, both medicines have as a component, for example, baclofen, which, um, which modifies the GABAergic neurotransmitter pathway. 
you know, there's there's common features in uh, you know in in many in many medicines um, in terms of uh, how they act, and so you know it might sound that maybe they act in the same way, but in this case, the pathways are completely different, and uh, the targets are completely different. It just happens that GABAergic pathways are important in uh, neurotransmitter signaling uh, in uh, in a in a disease like Charcot-Marie Tooth, and they're also very important in how neurons uh, work in the integrity of neurons in a debilitating disease like um, like Alzheimer's disease. So, you know, we're buoyed by the response of 864 in the patient studied, but um, I think it's one of those cases where you need to go back to the drawing board and uh, effectively think about what is the mature medicine, how do we perfect it before we press on in the clinic and, and you know, raise money and, and spend money uh, most effectively. You joined the company in April to replace CEO Daniel Cohn. What what attracted you to Farnex? Well, what attracted me first of all was uh, that that you know the concept of going from platform to product is one of the most attractive ways to assure a suite of medicines against a range of diseases. Uh, as you might know, earlier I was the CEO of Zealand Pharma, uh, based in Denmark, based in the U.S., listed on Nasdaq, that had a peptide platform. Uh, of medicines uh, for diabetes, metabolism, obesity, et cetera, that now has an approved medicine uh, through its work with Sanofi um, called Adlixin, a GLP-1 receptor agonist, and uh, also in combination with Lantus. That company has gone on to do extremely well with a multi-billion dollar market cap. And again, it was a platform to product play. And so I looked at the platform here. I, I've always been excited for polypharmacology, and I thought this is a really important way to advance combination medicines and there are very few companies that are advancing combination medicines and then with my background in both rare disease and also neurologic disorders um, i've been really intrigued by developing the first medicine for charcomary tooth these patients suffer terribly i mean they're really wheelchair bound their quality of life is poor they're also depressed or anxious and if there can be appropriate therapies to stabilize them i truly believe it's uh, not only great for the patients their caregivers their families but I think will result in a, in a multi-billion dollar opportunity um, for stakeholders and shareholders. And ultimately, the reason to join was I found the governance structure, the board convincing, the other members of management convincing, and um, the data very convincing in Charcot-Marie Tooth. The reason the study stopped was um, an unfortunate error of manufacturing, but highly correctable as we've done. And therefore, I think it's possible to get back on track. Earlier, the company had a market cap of about $400 million. Now it's closer to about 70, 65 or 70. I think we can get back there rapidly by simply uh, good discipline and good behavior uh, as we begin our phase three study. I think if anyone with a careful ear listens to some of your earlier comments, there seems to be a, a greater business discipline that you're bringing here. But in terms of your long-term goals, what's the vision for the company and what's it going to take to get there? Well, first, we have to get 3003 approved. The only way people will be excited for the platform is to see that an example of the platform, in this case, 3003, um, can rapidly be approved and be a, an important medicine for patients and their caregivers. So we're laser focused now on getting the trial protocol completed and shared with FDA and and uh, the trial started with first patient, first dose uh, in early uh, 21. So that's goal number one. Goal number two is to expand on the platform 
so that we can have other, other good examples of combination medicines. Again, it's a topic not well explored. People tend to think about personalized medicine and you know laser-focused precision medicines, and that's true, and those are important. But many, many diseases um, really permit or suggest that combination medicines might be the most effective way to uh, proceed or advance. And there are not many companies doing that. So I, I think a unique positioning for us is grow the platform in a way that proves some very important or valuable or efficacious examples um, that fall out of the platform that we can then advance in the clinic in late stage and raise money. And so, you know, now, obviously, I think the goal is to be convincing and disciplined around 3003, raise money from appropriate equity investors uh, to advance uh, the company and uh, those experiments, and then use um, further financial resources to grow the platform to other medicines in areas maybe like myasthenia gravis or or NASH or other areas where there's a lot of unmet need where combination medicines, I think, can be extremely fruitful. David Horton-Solomon, CEO of Farnext. David, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.